My grandpa Al was born, raised, lived out his life in southern Idaho. He was a bit of a rock hound, and on one particular adventure together, I spotted a rock that caught my eye. I picked it up, turned it in my hand, and my, my grandfather leaned over to me and he said in a hushed tone, that's a piece of leverite. I had no idea what that was, but it sounded pretty cool. And so I slid it in my pocket with a, a, a rather smugness, thinking, <laughs> I, uh, I've, I've got a piece of leverite. Um, same adventure, my sister picked up her own find and turned it in her hand. And my grandfather similarly leaned over to her and he said, you've got a piece of leverite. I saw the rock that was in my sister's hand and I knew the rock that was in my pocket. And they were like totally different kinds of rock. And my rock was far more cooler than her rock. How could that be the same kind of... Uh, how could she have the same kind of rock I did? No, I, 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 didn't, I wasn't buying it. My sister's face beamed because she thought she had something valuable. And my grandfather saw that, and he turned to her and he said, Sweetheart, Leave her right there. <laughs> now, my grandfather was, uh, he, 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 was he was known to be the tease, um, the, the jokester, the one who was always spinning a yarn, um, the one always pulling your leg. Some people wonder where I got it. And instantly, well, I, I knew that my grandfather knew what he was talking about. He'd been out rock hunting for years. And I knew that I had a, a worthless rock in my pocket. I had a lever right. Lever right there. So I reached into my pocket, I pulled out my rock, and with one glance I threw it behind me. Walked away. In the 1800s, um, the undiscerning man, plagued with gold fever, sometimes picked up a yellow, brassy mineral, thinking it was gold. Nope. Nope. It was, um, it was iron disulfide, otherwise known as pyrite, otherwise known as fool's gold. Looked like the real deal. Looked like it had some value to it. Looked like there was a, a worthwhile gem in your hand when indeed oh, it's just a rock for, um, for a gold digger. Pyrite is nothing but a piece of leverite. This morning in our text, we have the opportunity to, uh, to, to begin to explore a, a, a wonderful metaphor that is familiar, it is um, um, something that we have, we, we're, we're all familiar with if you've been around the scriptures for any length of time, and it gives us the opportunity to look at our life. Is there something attending our life that might look like it is spiritually vital, helpful, beneficial, profitable, and yet is nothing but a piece of leverite? We're in John chapter 15 this morning. I invite you to turn there with me. I've, I've um, divided this 
uh, section. We're, we're really only going to look at the first four verses, but, but, but I'm going to read the first six because verses five and six are really a recapitulation of the first four verses. Um, but it, uh, it kind of sets the whole tone for what we're going to find in, uh, in our text this morning. I've divided it into two sections, introductions in the garden and realities from the garden. Remember, Jesus is speaking these words to his men, the 11. Judas Iscariot, the betrayer, is gone. He just has the 11, those who were genuine disciples, those who would soon be his apostles, the sent ones. Jesus is speaking to them on that fateful last night of Passover. They've enjoyed the Passover meal together, and now they are... um, listening to Jesus just prior to his arrest and subsequent execution. John 15, beginning of verse 1. I am the true vine, Jesus says, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit... He prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Point number one. We have three people three groups that we need to be uh, introduced to in Jesus' metaphor. The vine, the vine dresser, and the branches. Jesus identifies himself in uh, the first part of verse 15, verse 1. I am the true vine. Jesus begins with that famous um, and and wealth. well-talked-about phrase, egoemi, uh, the Greek phrase meaning I am, it's, it's redundant. Uh, you don't need to have both words to say I am. Each, either one would communicate that. So it's, it's almost as though Jesus is saying I am, I am. It is, it is a, a declaration of his deity. Many times John uses this. Seven times, specifically, he attaches a predicate to that phrase. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, the life. There are seven of these. This is the last. I am the true vine, Jesus says. Now, he doesn't say, I am the truthful vine. That would be a true statement, but that's not what he says. The Greek word that he uses is, it communicates to us that he is the real vine. He's not a substitute. He's not a facsimile. He's not a type of something greater to come. He is the antitype. He is the one, the true, real, genuine article. Ain't no lever right here. This is the real thing. I am the true vine. Now he says that in contrast to Israel. Repeatedly throughout the Old Testament, we find Israel being referred to as the vine of God. That's uh, actually not too surprising. Israel 
agricultural community, agricultural nation, rather arid. Grapes do well there. They're stock and trade in the agricultural world. So it's not not surprising that we find there are being references to Israel being the vine of God in the Old Testament, or that Jesus would use this on this particular night to speak of himself as the true vine. Not a surprise. In Jeremiah chapter 2, we read this. I planted you, speaking of Israel, a choice vine, a completely faithful seed. How then, the Lord asks through his prophet, how then have you turned yourself before me into the degenerate shoots of a foreign vine? Israel revealed themselves to be unfaithful to the Lord. They were not true to the Lord. You want to look over with me to... um, the book of Proverbs, uh, the book of Psalms. Psalm 80, we'll read a handful of verses here. This particular psalm refers to um, Israel as God's vine. Look at verse 8. You removed a vine from Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground before it, and it took deep root and filled the land. And you would think after all of God's care to prepare the the vine and, and, and to plant it properly, that it would thrive and it would produce great a, 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 a great deal of, of good fruit. And didn't at all. Verse 14. O God of hosts, turn again now, we beseech you. Look down from heaven and see and take care of this vine. Even the shoot which your right hand has planted. And on the son whom you have strengthened for yourself. It is burned with fire. It is cut down. They perish at the rebuke of your countenance. Let your hand be upon the man of your right hand, upon the Son of Man, whom you made strong for yourself. There we have a prophetic reference to the Messiah, the Son of God, who would come as the true vine of God, who would fulfill the purposes and plans of Almighty God that Israel failed. To perform. So, so it's, it's in light of that, that whole image out of the Old Testament, of which there are many, many references of Israel being the unfaithful vine, that now Jesus comes and he says, I'm the real deal. I am the genuine article. I am the true vine. All right? Second half of verse 1 introduces us to the second person with whom we have to be introduced, to whom we have to be introduced. My father is the vine dresser. Now at this point I have to say something that we have to keep in mind continually throughout this section. Uh, uh, This is a figure of speech, an, an extracted metaphor uh, expanded metaphor that Jesus is using. And we, we have to be careful that we don't make, uh, uh, in our interpretation, we, we don't force the, the metaphor to say more than what Jesus intended. Jesus is, is not saying that because he's, the, he's liking himself to a plant and the Father is liking himself to a person, a vine dresser, Jesus is not saying he is less than the Father. And and in this image, Jesus is not saying in any way that he is not divine because he's not the vine dresser. No, he's just using an image here, and the image by nature has limitations. 
All right? Verse 2 tells us what the vine dresser is all about. This is a vital verse to understand the, the whole image and the metaphor here. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. Now we'll see it here. We see it here in in verse 2. We see it uh, throughout this, this section here. The vine dresser is all about the fruit. The vine itself is producing the fruit. And there's two kinds of branches here that the vine dresser is concerned with. Those that bear fruit and those that do not bear fruit. Those that bear more fruit, or those that bear fruit, are, are, are taken care of so that they bear more fruit. Those that do not bear fruit are taken away. So you understand, there's two different kinds of, of branches here. I want you to notice the verbs that are used. Of the first type of branch, the ones that do not bear fruit, the verb says, he takes away. Of the second branch, the second kind of branch, the kind that bears fruit, that one, he prunes. Oh, I wish I the up. Uh, I wish we all had the opportunity to read Greek. Because at this point, you would see that both of those verbs are built off of the same root. They rhyme. Oh, how cool is that? The intention of Jesus is to put these in contrast. Two different kinds of branches... And because there are two different kinds of branches, the vine dresser addresses them differently. Those that do not bear fruit, those that do bear fruit. Those that do not bear fruit, he takes away. Those who do bear fruit, he prunes. Let's talk about them in the opposite manner in which they appear in our text. Let's talk first about those branches that bear fruit. The vine dresser does what is necessary in order that those branches bear more fruit. It's all about the fruit. That's what the vine dresser is interested in. And he takes some drastic measures at times in order to produce more fruit. The word prunes, if you uh, have the NAS text, as I do, God's version, um, the word prunes is more frequently translated cleans or cleanses. And we find it in the very next verse. Jesus says in verse 3, You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. And by that, Jesus is saying that through the word that he speaks, his gospel, his good news, which they have already received, which they have already believed, which they have already submitted themselves to, it is by that word that they became clean. In other words, they're forgiven. Their sins have been taken care of. We see the same kind of image, you will remember, back in chapter 13, at the beginning of the Passover meal, when Jesus sits down with his men and there's no uh, servant there to wash the feet of those who have come in. Jesus, as well as his men, have dirty feet. 
They took a shower that afternoon in anticipation of the Passover meal, but they were walking through dusty, dirty, muddy streets. Their feet needed to be cleaned. No one to do it. Jesus wraps a towel around his waist, begins to wash the feet of his disciples, and when he gets to Peter, Peter says in protest, Not me, Lord! You know you can't wash my feet! Jesus says this, chapter 13, verse 2. He who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For, verse 11, he knew the one who was betraying him. And for this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. Not all of you are forgiven. Not all of you have been washed. Your souls have been washed. Judas was the standout. He was the one who was not clean, had not been forgiven, had not submitted to the word that Jesus preached. So he says in verse 3, of chapter 15, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. So to you, the clean ones, what does the vine dresser do? Second kind of branch he speaks of in verse 2. Every branch that bears fruit he cleans so that it may bear more fruit. Think of that image. The Lord may need to wash you just like he washed the feet of his disciples. Your your, your soul is already clean. But, But maybe there is some unrepentant sin that needs to be cleansed from your life. And so the Lord prunes, cuts away, cleanses us in order that we might bear more fruit. If you own property, if you have your own house, and you maintain a yard, I, 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 I dare say 90% of you have trimmed sucker growth from trees on your property. Oh, we've got one maple tree that has, has been cut down but has sucker growth I have to take care of every year. And of course, on our pear tree, there are lots of suckers that, that need to be removed because suckers steal energy from the tree, and specifically from our, for our pear tree, those suckers steal nutrients that, that the pears need to fully mature. I need to remove those. The vine dresser, thinking of those branches that bear fruit, the vine dresser is going to remove any kind of distraction that would suck spiritual energy toward or or, or from um, bearing more fruit. Because the vine dresser is all about the fruit. He wants more fruit. So he is going to prune what is necessary, clean what is necessary, in order that I might bear more fruit. Look back at verse 2. Let's think for a minute about the, the other kind of branch, the branch that does not bear fruit. Let me read the first part of verse 2 again. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away.
The verb translated take away uh, appears uh, more than a hundred times in the New Testament. It's a common Greek word. And it's, uh, the, the majority of time, it's translated to take up or to take away. Four times. In the King James translation, it is rendered lift up. Only four times out of more than a hundred, it's translated lift up. Now, some translators will argue that this is one of those times where it ought to be translated, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he lifts up. He lifts up to support or to step out of the, 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 the metaphor to, to encourage, to strengthen. And the interpretive um, conclusion is the vine dresser, God, with regard to that branch that does not bear fruit, does everything necessary to, to strengthen and to encourage. He lifts up those branches in order that they might bear fruit. Now, you have to have some pretty good reason to uh, go against the lexicon and translate it um, in a rather different way. And here is the textual reason for that kind of interpretation, that the father, the the, the vine dresser, uh, lifts up to strengthen, to encourage uh, those branches that do not bear fruit. And you'll find it at the very front of verse 2. Every branch in me. Every branch in me, in Christ, that branch that does not bear fruit, the vine dresser lifts up. Now, I, 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 I grant you that, that the, the phrase in me at, at, a, at first glance, first read, would seem to imply that this non-fruit-bearing branch is indeed connected to the vine. And I would argue that that's not accurate. That the idea of, of translating the verb lift up rather than take away is a poor choice. There's a better way to understand that verb and how it is used in this context and what it means to us as God's people. I think it would be better for us to understand the phrase in me as, um, uh, as, as being attendant to but not attached to the vine. Let me explain why. Second page of your notes. Let me give you four reasons why the vine dresser is not lifting up non-fruit-bearing branches. Reason number one, it's not natural to translate this particular verb in this way in a viticultural context, viticulture having to do with grapes. Now, if, 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 if we were talking about apple trees, peach trees, whose branches are, are, are laden and need to be lifted up, need to be supported. You've, you've probably been in orchards before where you've, you've seen uh, a two-by-four stuck in the ground, sticking, uh, uh, propping up a, a branch. 
Usually that's because the orchardist wants to protect the fruit that is already there. An orchardist, in this case, the vine dresser, is not going to give that kind of careful concern to a non-productive branch, usually. In, in the world of grapes, a vine dresser already has established uh, poles and stringers, uh, and he's, he's trained the branches to, to grow that way so that the grapes can hang down from those branches. That's already built into the system. He's not looking to support them. And the point here is, we are talking about branches that by nature do not bear fruit. It's not that they're, they're, they're being supported is going to encourage that. You're not going to stimulate fruit from something that's not producing fruit anyway. Reason number two. The point here of the text is is to highlight fruit production. That's what we're all about. Producing fruit. That's what we want. That's what the vine dresser is eager to do and to to uh, uh, secure. There are branches that do bear fruit, and there are branches that do not. Jesus did not say that there are, that he's talking about some branches who um, bear only a little bit. He's not talking about branches that bear fruit oh, every other year. No, he's talking about branches that do not bear fruit. Point number three, the context, um, the immediate context, verses four through six in particular, um, look, at, look at verse six. Um, if anyone does not abide in me, is thrown away as a branch dries up, they gather and cast in the fire and burn. This is a picture of judgment. And these are, this is, this is the fate of those branches who do not bear fruit. And we'll get into this a little bit uh, uh, deeply this week, next week. Um, but but we, we, are, we are talking about non-productive branches. And those that are and persist in this way will be judged of the Lord. Now, what do we do with that phrase, in me, at the beginning of verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Well, admittedly, that particular phrase is fuzzy. It's not crisp. We don't know exactly what Jesus is saying here with precision. That's why we have differences of opinion. I would remind you, we, we, we can't push the metaphor too hard here. But I don't think, uh, f- for these, the previous three reasons here, I, I, I don't think that we can, we can say that Jesus, in um, the beginning of verse 2, is, is talking about um, a, a, a vital relationship between the branch and the vine. I think he is talking about those, and here, here's where the, the, the metaphor breaks down. I think he's talking about those that are um, hanging out with the vine and other branches, but aren't the real deal. And we would, we would point to Judas Iscariot as uh, example A. He was the kind of guy that looked like a true branch. And from a distance, he even had fruit on him. You know, but, but, but when you get closer, it was, you could tell that it was plastic fruit. 
just glued onto his t-shirt. It wasn't the real deal. There are many who look like the real deal. They do things that real deal people kind of do on occasion. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus' famed Sermon on the Mount, verse 20. You will know them by their fruits, he said, and then he continues. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, he will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Look at all this religious stuff that we've done. Plastic fruit, baby. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That's a, 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 a damning judgment. Jesus is, is talking about pseudo-branches, fake branches, plastic branches with plastic fruit on them. It's not real. In the spiritual world, we might call them leverite. Leave them right there. Because there ain't, there ain't no value there. There's, no, there's no, nothing of worth. There are many that are professors of faith, but not at the same time possessors of faith. Think about weeds among the wheat. Or the, the uh, foolish virgins hanging out with the wise virgins. Or the goats among the sheep. Again, we can't, we can't push the image too, too far, too hard. Um, but, but, but Jesus is talking about those who are uh, false converts. Those who are not the real deal. Point number two. Uh, well, okay, so, so let me just r- r- summarize where, we have, where we've been so far. We, we are si- we've simply re- got an, an introduction to this wonderful image. Jesus is the vine. His Father is the vine dresser. And there are branches of which there are two kinds. Some that produce fruit. And the vine dresser is going to do what is necessary to make those produce more fruit. The other kind of branches, he's going to take them away. They will be cut off. In the language of verse 6, they will be cast into the fire and burnt. Now, point number two, realities from the garden. You know, one thing I haven't said so far, even though I've used the word so many, many times already this morning, is what does this fruit look like? What are we talking about exactly when the vine dresser is looking to produce more fruit, indeed, verse... um, Five, there it is. Took me that long to read all that text. He's looking to produce much fruit. More fruit, much fruit. What what are we talking about here? What does the Father look to produce? What what, What do we look to produce being attached to the vine? Attached to Jesus, if you will. 
Well, uh, um, let me, let me hand, give you a handful of things. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, talks about um, verbalized praise being the fruit of our lips. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul gives thanks to the Philippian believers uh, because of their praying for him, their ministering to him. They contributed materially, financially, for his support. And he's giving thanks to the Lord for them. Well, that is is the fruit from their life, he says in verse 17. Um, Obedience to the Lord, that that is evidence of, or that is uh, um, an example of fruit. Um, uh, Proclaiming the gospel and seeing others come to faith in Christ is fruit from our life that the Holy Spirit uh, produces through us. So verbalized praise, meeting the needs of others, obedience to the Lord, proclaiming the gospel, these are all evidences of fruit. But I haven't said, I haven't identified the, the most important thing that the Lord is looking for, namely Christ-likeness. And we read in Galatians chapter 5 that the fruit of the Spirit is what? Christ-likeness, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We read in Hebrews chapter 12 that the Father specifically, through uh, his hand of discipline, seeks to produce the peaceful fruit of righteousness. The character of my life is to produce that which reflects Christ. Next question. How was this fruit produced? Well, if you look in our text, verse 4, it tells us this. Abide in me, Jesus says. Um, that's that's uh, a, 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 in the imperative mood. It's a command. Abide in me. Do this. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit, of itself, unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. The word abide appears ten times in seven verses. Do you think we should understand what that verb means? Maybe. Okay. Well, let's spend a little bit of time talking about it. To abide. Sometimes it's translated to remain. Oh, and I think in this context that's unfortunate because it would lead you to, to believe, mistakenly so, uh, that Jesus wants us to be uh, a fence post, to remain in the ground. No, not the case at all. He wants us to be, uh, okay, I'm changing images here and it's going to mess you up uh, maybe a little bit, but not so much. You, you'll, you'll catch on. Um, he, he wants us to be a living tree root that draws nutrients, water, everything that is necessary, save for the sunlight, into, the, into the, 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 the fabric of the plant in order that it might flourish. To abide means to stay connected to. And so, stepping outside of the metaphor... Jesus says, keep believing me. Keep trusting me. Keep submitting to me. It's a daily thing. It's not just something that happens when uh, on the day you were baptized, for example. No. It is the habit of my life. Moment by moment. Repeatedly in a day. Every week. Every month. I am continually just like a branch connected properly to the vine is drawing nutrients 
from the vine, everything that I need. So I am to remain in Christ always, continuously, habitually drawing from Him. Always stay connected. Only that one who is abiding, staying connected, is a fruit-bearing branch. You can't bear fruit. Jesus says in verse 4, you cannot. You don't have the ability. You don't have the capacity. You cannot bear fruit apart from Christ. So until you are connected to Him, unless you are connected to Him, you will not, cannot produce fruit. Until that connection takes place, you are a non-fruit-bearing branch. Oh, you might look really, really cute, really, really pretty with, with your, your lovely uh, plastic fruit hanging from your arm. But the Lord knows Maybe many other people know too. It's just leverite material. We have to abide in Him if we would seek to please the vine dresser. Well, our time is up. It's an introduction to, to, uh, to, to, to this, this, this topic, this chapter, this image. But let me read verses 5 and 6 one more time. We'll spend more t- time uh, here next week, Lord willing. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, You can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch, dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Two kinds of branches. And as I close this morning, I'd like you to just take a look inside your heart. What kind of a branch are you? Are you a non-fruit producing branch? I'm not talking about plastic fruit that you glue onto your t-shirt. I'm I'm, I'm talking about the real stuff. Real Christ-like character. Genuinely seeking to meet the needs of other people. Gloriously, joyously, eagerly, consistently giving praise to the Lord with your lips. Proclaiming the gospel to other people. Are, are, are these uh, part and parcel of your life? This is the fruit that the, that the vine dresser is seeking to produce. Are you that kind of a branch? If you are that kind of a branch... Are you surprised when the Lord, with his sharp shears, prunes things from your life? We grieve when a spouse dies, a child dies. We we grieve when we see somebody endure a, a fire in their home that consumes the structure and all of its contents. You think about all the photographs that they just lost. Did that happen by accident? Oh, we call it an accident, maybe. But I know the God of the universe 
Jesus calls him the vine dresser. And Jesus says of this vine dresser, every branch that bears fruit, he cleans, he prunes, he takes out his sharp shears and cuts away the suckers. All those things that detract from producing, God-honoring, God-glorifying fruit. Spare yourself, my friends. Take a good look at your heart and those things that are a part of your life. Have you put a piece of leverite in your pocket? that needs to be removed and dropped behind you, never to be given another look. Our blessed Father, you are so good, so gracious to us. You are patient, long-suffering, and we thank you for your kindness to us. Sometimes we delude ourselves into thinking that because you are so patient and you are, are so loving and, uh, that we can get away with anything. No, not the case at all. You are looking for our repentance. And that is why you are lingering waiting. But your pruning shears are still in your hand. And sometimes even for those that are eagerly seeking you, you still need to use the pruning shears. As you did with the Apostle Paul in that, that difficult time in his life when he when he lost whatever it was, maybe it was his eyesight. He continued with that affliction, that, that, that wound from the pruning shears all of his life. Oh, but that was all for part, part of your purpose, in order that he produce more fruit, more fruit that pleases you because... In his weakness, you proved yourself to be strong. So we thank you for the rain and the disappointment and the clouds and the darkness and the disappointment. They lead us to you. And for that, we give you all the praise and all the glory.